Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Oh, the, the state Supreme Court uh, race is heating up. Beth Beskin has joined in. Remember, she was the Buckhead Republican who helped kill uh, the Religious Liberty Restoration Act, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and the um, and is pro pro abortion. She is running for. Uh, the state Supreme Court uh, trying to portray herself as a conservative. We, we'll we'll deal with that one, but we all we really 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 need to start off talking about the um, Democrats debate last night. And, and you're going to have to forgive me. In, in fact, if you want to call in tonight, uh, feel free to four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred. WSB talk. I, I am. I have basically got a coffee IV. We did the bourbon and butts last night uh, for Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Got back home about twelve thirty, thanks to road construction. Four thirty, woke up, thought somebody was breaking into the house. Nope, it was my wife. Tried to go back to sleep, and at five o'clock, could hear the ten-year-old and his projectile vomit, uh, and have largely been up ever since. Um, it's been it's been an exhausting overnight four hours of sleep. Now let's get into the Democratic debate. I want to begin first with Beto O'Rourke, and I I I desperately think it is Israel. I should desperate. Not 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 great. Um, just I we need to play this part because this is what everybody is talking about. And there's a there's a point to beginning with Beto and not the other stuff. And this statement from Beto O'Rourke in the debate in Houston last night. If it's a weapon that was designed to kill people. On a battlefield, if the high-impact, high-velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that so that you would bleed to death on a battlefield and not be able to get up and kill one of our soldiers, when we see that being used against children, and in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15. Mm -hmm. And that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Well, he doubled down on that today uh but o'rourke the the hell yes we're gonna be by the way he's already got a t-shirt out now here's the funny thing that there really is a punchline to this uh so o'rourke is selling a t-shirt with that slogan hell yes we're going to take your ar-15s uh and he's selling it in female and gender neutral sizes there are no men's shirts that say hell yes we're going to take your ar-15 there are women's shirts and unisex shirts no no men's shirts uh, with Beto, of course, uh, no man would wear a shirt saying we're going to take your AR-15. Um, now, if you are male and wish to buy this shirt from Beto O'Rourke, instead of paying cash, you can hand in, no, no, not your AR-15, your testicular fortitude. You can you can hand that in to get one of these shirts, and uh, you will be successfully neutered. He was asked about this on, on MSNBC. They were absolutely incredulous. Uh, Willie Geist on, on MSNBC was totally incredulous with Beto's statement this morning. Okay, so so just to underline it, it will be voluntary. It won't be, hell yes, we'll come get your no, guns. No, it's, it's mandatory. No, it's it's not voluntary. I, I want to make sure that we make the distinction here. It, it is mandatory. It will be the law. You will be required to comply with the law. So, I mean, as with many of our laws, we don't go door to door 
um, searching people's homes to see if they are in fact breaking the law. But uh, we expect people to comply with the law. But it's Congressman, you know uh, the law is that those guns are legal right now. So how would they be breaking the law by owning those guns? Well, because by working with Congress and listening to the American people, who I believe form a majority on this issue, uh, buying back AR-15s and AK-47s, um, we're going to change the law so that it will no longer be legal to hold one of these. Uh, yes. So you're going to have a mandatory gun buyback. He's coming to get you. I guess I should spend my weekend um, polishing and cleaning just so uh, when they come to get them, uh, they'll be they'll be all cleaned and, and nice for them. Um, I, I this this is ridiculous. It, it, generally, th this is nuts and it can't happen. Uh, this relates to a Joe Biden bit from last night's debate we should get into. Everyone is talking about Beto O'Rourke's, uh, hell yes, we'll take your AR-15s. Everyone is talking about his t-shirt today. This is uh, the t-shirt. The actual quote is, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. And underneath in small print, Beto for America. The shirt is $30. Um, I hope every Democrat in America buys one of these t-shirts. You can go to BetoO'Rourke.com and you can buy one of these t-shirts. I, I, I hope if you're a Democrat, you do. You know, by the way, when 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 Ted Cruz said that Beto O'Rourke wanted to round up your guns, PolitiFact said he was lying. Uh, turns out he was right. And everybody's talking about this today. I, I'm beginning to wonder if Beto O'Rourke is a plant by the Republicans. In 2018, Beto O'Rourke ran for the Senate in Texas against Ted Cruz. He consumed mass resources from the Democrats. People around the country poured money into his race. That did not go to Stacey Abrams, and that did not go to Andrew Gillum, who had better shots. Abrams would not have won, but she would have gotten into a runoff, perhaps. Gillum definitely would have won in Florida. Claire McCaskill probably would have won her Senate seat back in um, Missouri. John Tester would not have been nearly as close in Montana had he had more resources. Uh, and a number of other seats around the country in the Senate uh, that were in play that did not have to be in play that the Democrats could have won but did not win, except Beto O'Rourke had all of the money. And in Beto O'Rourke having all the money, he didn't share with other races. He didn't need all of the money he raised. In fact, he's able to do what he's doing right now because he raised so much for the Senate last time. And that money could have been spent by Democrats elsewhere, and it wasn't, and it potentially cost them the United States Senate. It certainly didn't help them in Texas. He came close against Ted Cruz, uh, but he was not able to get past Ted Cruz in Texas. And now he's out this year, and he's got everybody talking about the Democrats wanting to take your guns. That is an issue that polls at 60% in the negative. 60% of Americans, not registered voters, not likely voters, not Republicans, not independents, not Democrats, but 60% of all adult Americans oppose gun confiscations from the federal government. And that today, after Demo the Democrats debated last night, is what everyone is talking about. Beto O'Rourke is putting the Democrats on defensive and moving the Democrats to the left in a way that actually directly helps Donald Trump. It's The Republicans could not ask for a better resource in the Democratic Party than Beto O'Rourke at this moment. Beto O'Rourke stood on stage last night and declared the, the uh, United States a deeply racist nation. He essentially stood on stage and said the Declaration of Independence was a lie. This is, this is what Beto did. And in so doing, 
he puts the Democrats on defense. He puts the Democrats in a way that makes it difficult for them to to move back to the center because he's going to force me. You heard the crowd cheer. You, you heard the crowd get excited. And in getting excited, it's going to force the Democrats to to adhere to it. I mean, let me let me play you one more little clip of Beto O'Rourke here uh, from what he said on the Democratic stage last night. Thankfully, he didn't drop any F-bombs. Um, but th- listen to this. Oh, if I can get the clip to work. I called this out in no uncertain terms on August 3rd and every day since then. And I was talking about it long before then as well. Racism in America is in Come on. Creation of this country, not at the 4th of July, 1776, but August 20th, 1619, when the first kidnapped African was brought to this country against his will and in bondage and as a slave, built the greatness and the success and the wealth that neither he nor his descendants would ever be able to fully participate in and enjoy. We have to be able to answer this challenge, and it is found in our education system where in Texas, a five-year-old child in kindergarten is five times as likely to be disciplined or suspended or expelled based on the color of their skin. In our healthcare system, where there's a maternal mortality crisis three times as deadly for women of color, or the fact that there's 10 times the wealth in white America than there is in black America, I'm gonna follow Sheila Jackson Lee's lead and sign into law a reparations bill that will allow us to address this at its foundation. Now, you, you realize he was at a historically black college university. This would obviously play very well there. But he, he his dogmatism on this issue forces all the other Democrats to, to decide whether or not they're going to be with him or not and allows reporters the opportunity to ask questions and provides Republicans ammunition and ad campaigns in the general election that the Democrats want to take your guns. Now, the other thing is, I just, I really do want to make this point, and I don't mean to be disparaging, although I know it's going to come across this way. You know what Beto O'Rourke is? Beto O'Rourke is, well, you drive around over near Emory, and in, in the DeKalb County area, you, you go down Ponce to where the houses get big and the lawns get green. Ansley Park around our office in town. There are a lot of white people with beautiful homes and green grass and protest signs in their yard or bumper stickers on their car. And that's what they do. They don't actually do anything to improve the situation. They, they, they don't actually do anything to get their hands dirty, to fix the problems that they claim. Uh, they like to profess that the country is evil. They nod knowingly at the New York Times. They cheer on Beto O'Rourke. They occasionally write a check. And they sleep well at night knowing that they're protesting because they have a sign in their yard or a bumper sticker on the back of their car. Uh, but they won't actually do anything to fix the problem. That That's Beto O'Rourke. It's just like the the the, peop- the emeroids over in their nice houses, the people in, in parts of Atlanta that are very nice, very progressive, very liberal. They're all white. They still have their Hillary Clinton, Tim Kaine signs in the yard. They'll write a check to a Democrat. They'll nod knowingly. They'll support a candidate, but they won't get their hands dirty to actually help the homeless guy down the street. They, they won't actually get involved in the city to, to get their hands dirty. They won't actually send their kid to public school and be engaged in the local public school. They, they won't do any of that stuff. They'll just nod knowingly that, yes, it's a problem while they let other people do it. Uh, that's what Beto O'Rourke is. He virtue signals 
and he thinks virtue signaling is actually fixing the problem. <laughs> I just I I just saw the Trumpiest Trump story I think I have seen in years. <laughs> president the president is at the g7 or what when they had the g7 (laughs) he's waiting to meet um uh president cc of egypt and he calls out in a loud voice to a group of u.s egyptian officials where's my favorite dictator This is this is so him. You know, he's called me before uh, in the middle of the night, and, and when he answers the phone, you say, hello. He says, it's your favorite president. <laughs> True. That's what he does. You answer the phone. It's an unlisted number, and, and you think there's going to be an operator there. No, it's it's him calling just directly. And it's your favorite president. <laughs> this. Hang on. I actually, I, I got to click into the story. Okay, we'll get back to the debate. Hey, we'll, we'll get back to the debate. Hang on. Um, apparently met with stunned silence by all the people around. The, <laughs> the subtitle of this Wall Street Journal story, Quip drew attention to uncomfortable facet of U.S.-Egypt relations. <laughs> all right, we'll be back with it. Where's my favorite dictator? <laughs> That's so Trump. <laughs> It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Marty in Villarica, welcome to the program. Do you think he really doesn't understand the the storm that would be released if he actually tried to start taking people's guns? No, he, he doesn't understand it at all. He's he's adult. Um, it, but listen, Beto O'Rourke and his wife are super rich people in Texas, super rich white people who culturally appropriated his nickname. His real name is Robert Francis. Uh, he has never had to struggle in his life. His father was a judge and protected him, bailed him out of a hit-and-run DUI. Um, he went off to college, rejected using the name Beto when he was with the white kids up in the Ivy League, returned back to Texas and, and beat a, a long-serving Hispanic member of Congress to get into Congress and now wants to run around talking about racism and privilege and, and the like. Uh, no, Beto O'Rourke is one of those people who believes his virtue signaling is activism. Uh, he, he's like a, a lot of the, the uh, rich white uh, liberals who live around uh, parts of Atlanta they think that by putting the sign in their yard or on the back of their car that they're actually doing something to change the world as opposed to just emoting. And that's what he's doing. Now, you, you mentioned that, though. We need to play this clip from Joe Biden. This is very, very important to hear Joe Biden, of all people, be the grown up in the room last night against Kamala Harris. And I got to ask, when you hear this clip, uh, and I, I, I really people are, are blasting me for asking this today. But seriously, was Kamala Harris on medication last night? Because she sounded in some way intoxicated at multiple moments, including this one. Listen to this. You did bring up assault weapons here. You did bring up assault weapons here. And many of you on this stage have talked about executive orders. Senator Harris, you have said that you would take executive action on guns within your first 100 days, including banning imports of AR-15 assault weapons. That's right. President Obama, after Sandy Hook, more than 23 executive actions. And yet here we all are today. In recent days, former Vice President 
Biden has said about executive orders. Some really talented people are seeking the nomination. They said, I'm going to issue an executive order. Biden saying there's no constitutional authority to issue that executive order when they say I'm going to eliminate assault weapons, saying you can't do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can, many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. <laughs> let's be constitutional. We got a constitution. And yes, we can, because I'll tell you something. The way that I think about this is um, I've seen more autopsy photographs than I care to tell you. Okay, and then she goes down here for there. I've been to police funerals. So that has nothing to do with the Constitution. Here's Joe Biden saying, Constitution, Constitution. we got to do it with what the Constitution says. And the Democrats out there say, I'll do an executive order on day one. I'll pound the desk, and I will I will ban AR-15. Barack Obama couldn't do it through executive order. You think you can? Kathleen and Roswell, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey there. Hey, my comment is the Democrats, say they want to help people of color but and then Beto says well I hate that name Robert Francis says that he wants to pay reparations what about them encouraging aborting all their babies because they go into neighborhoods with Planned Parenthood that's supposed to be health care for women and it's just a disguise for aborting black babies the rate of black babies being aborted is way above any other group. Right. Oh, so, you're absolutely right. And uh, they they have no rational answer for this. In fact, there's a writer at Vox, uh, the left-wing site today, uh, saying that, you know, thanks to abortion, crime is down 45%. And someone says, are you implying that killing black children through abortion has kept crime low and she deleted her tweet um which hmm, makes you wonder um very very interesting there now i want to spend a little more time on joe biden i I actually have a ton of audio from the debate last night one of the things i want to do is to compare and contrast elizabeth warren and joe biden You, you do need to understand the lay of the land last night joe biden won the debate Joe Biden didn't win on points. He won because no one was successfully able to get a blow on Joe Biden. Uh, he held his on in the on in the debate last night, and Bernie Sanders did not. Bernie Sanders did not, um, and Kamala Harris did not. Beto O'Rourke did not. Uh, Cory Booker did not. I mean, listen to this from Cory Booker last night. It's going to leave your head scratching. We are in the reality we are right now because Vice President of overtly racist policies, not 400 years ago, just in my lifetime, that we're redlining communities, disinvesting in communities, and more than just that, my kids are not only struggling with racial segregation and housing and, and the challenges of underfunded schools, but they're also ch- struggling with environmental injustice. If you've talked to someone who's a parent of a child who's had permanent brain damage because of lead, you'll know this is a national problem because there's over 3,000 jurisdictions in America where children have more than twice the blood lead levels of Flint, Michigan. Thank you. And so if I'm president of the United States, it is a holistic solution to education from raising teacher salary, fully funded special education, but combating the issues of poverty, combating the issues of racial segregation, combating the issues of a criminal justice system that takes parents away from their kids 
and dealing with environmental justice as a major pillar of any climate policy. Okie dokie, environmental injustice, environmental racism. Yes, by the way, did you notice he said my kids? My ki He doesn't have any kids. He's not even married. But hey, um, got to go for optics, right? Speaking of optics, you need to know this. You should follow me on Instagram tonight. Uh, it's E.W. Erickson, E-W-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. You should follow me on Instagram tonight. Why? Because for the first time since October of 2000, this month's full moon is going to be tonight on Friday the 13th. The moon will be uh, full early Saturday morning in many parts of the world, visible on Friday, including here. In the United States, uh, we will see a full moon. Now, the next full moon on Friday the 13th isn't expected to happen until August 13th, 2049. But more impressive, <clears throat> this is going to be at the, um, it's going to be at the apogee. Uh, it'll be the furthest point in the moon's orbit. And the next time that the moon will be full on Friday the 13th at its apogee will be in 500 years. The last time it happened was 1832, uh, which is which is interesting. It's, it's rather rare to have a full moon on Friday the 13th. Means uh, pray for your ER doctors tonight because there are going to be a lot of crazy people in the hospital tonight because it's Friday the 13th and a full moon. There will be lots and lots of crazy people. Now, we should move back into the debate. Uh, I So you need to understand what I'm doing. There, there is an intentional uh, reason that I'm I'm pacing myself like this. Because we've got to spend time on Biden and Elizabeth Warren. And there were so many other things that I needed to get to. It, it has crowded out the clock. What I want to do right now is I want to go on to commercial. And when I come back, I want to get into the Biden-Warren stuff. Because to understand the Democratic Party moving forward, you have to understand the dynamics between Warren and Biden. You have to understand the level of respect they have for each other. And you also have to understand Elizabeth Warren's strategy with Joe Biden. Last night in Houston was the very first time they've been on a debate stage with each other. Despite all of the many Democratic debates, Warren and Biden have never been on the same debate stage together. They've been debating across nights, not across the debate stage. And last night it happened, and it didn't. They didn't engage with each other, but you need to understand why. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. I, I want to spend a little bit of time on Warren and on Biden. And particularly, Biden actually went after Warren more than Warren went after him. Let me play this bit of Biden going after Warren on costs of her plan. My health care plan does significantly cut the cost. The largest out-of-pocket payment you'll pay is $1,000. You'll be able to get into a, anyone who can't afford it, gets automatically enrolled in the, in, in, in the Medicare-type option we have, et cetera. But guess what? Of the 160 million people who like their health care now, they can keep it. If they don't like it, they can leave, number one. Number two, the fact of the matter is we're in a situation where, if you notice, he hadn't answered the question. This is about candor, honesty, big ideas. Well, let's have a big idea. The, the tax of 2% that the senator's talking about, that raises about $3 billion. Guess what? That leaves you about $28 billion short. The senator said before, it's going to cost you in your pay. There will be a deductible in your paycheck. You're going to, the middle class person, someone making 60 grand with three kids, they're going to end up paying $5,000 more. They're going to end up paying 4% more on their income tax. That's a reality. Now, it's not a bad idea if you like it. I don't like it. There you go. Now, Warren is insisting that there would be no cost. Here, here's what you need to understand about this. As I said before the break, they haven't been on the debate stage together 
This was their first time. People expected them to go after each other like Kamala Harris did to Joe Biden. And Elizabeth Warren has signaled several times she wasn't going to. Here's what Elizabeth Warren wants. If they're the front runners, and they are, it's going to be Biden or Warren. And I still think it's going to be Biden, but it could be Warren. I don't think it's going to be Warren because the field is too crowded. It's too crowded for her to be able to stand apart. As long as Bernie Sanders is in the race, uh, it's, Elizabeth Warren has trouble consolidating. But all she wanted to do was stand there. Because, believe it or not, Donald Trump is the youngest of the front runners. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Joe Biden are all older than Donald Trump. But of the four of them, Elizabeth Warren looks the youngest. Of the Democrats, for sure, she looks younger than Joe Biden, and she is slightly. And so she just wanted to be on stage with Biden. You have two old people. One looks younger and more dynamic. The other one looks like a, a doddering old granddad. And she just wanted that contrast. She wanted to be the dynamic one, the sharp one, the well-spoken one, and she was. She had a very good debate performance as a result. She didn't need to attack Joe Biden. She didn't need to throw punches, and he didn't either. But she benefited from that. Biden, of course, benefited from all the other fools on stage. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 404-872-0750, wsb talk We'll get back to the debate later, but there's something happening this weekend uh, here in Georgia, and we need to talk about something that directly affects people in Georgia more than this debate ever will. And to do that, I want to uh, go to Carter in Kennesaw to help me start off this topic. Carter, how are you? Mr. Erickson, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks very much. And uh, I hope... I hope somebody found the horse underneath what the Democrats were spewing last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, As uh, an attorney, I'd like to get your legal opinion on this. Uh, From what I understand, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me preface this by saying this. I was up in Dahlonega last weekend, and pretty much every store and restaurant had a notice saying they were going to be closed tomorrow. University of North Georgia closed their campus, told students not to return until Sunday. Is there anything legal that the city of Dahlonega could have done to have denied this guy a permit to hold the rally, uh, being that where he's holding it is less than 100 yards away from the school? I mean, from what I read about this organizer, somebody gets out of line, it's going to be a combination of the OK Corral and the opening scene. Yeah, yeah well, he, here's I actually think that uh, we're not going to have a huge crowd up there. Carter, thanks very much for this. Yeah, they couldn't stop it. Um, he's got a free speech right. For those of you who don't know what's happening, in Dahlonega this weekend, there's going to be a white supremacy rally. And what should be galling to everyone who supports the president is that this is a well-known white nationalist who is disguising his rally as a support for President Trump rally, which just gives the media ample opportunity to feed the narrative that President Trump supporters are a bunch of bigoted, racist, white supremacy-based white nationalists. They can't stop it. He has the right to do it. He secured the necessary permits. You can't in this country treat a, a white supremacist or a neo-Nazi differently from a, a Christian or a, or a high school that wants to do something in the town square. You got to give it to them. Um, I think we need to be careful here. I, I so I got a press release from Care, the the 
Terrorist Sympathetic Council for American Islamic Relations, uh, that is pointing out that someone in charge of whoever controls the Lumpkin County Republican Party Facebook account liked the rally back in June. Well, of course they liked it on Facebook back in June. It was billed as a support the president rally, and that's not actually what it is. The person who built who did this rally is a well-known white nationalist who is deeply sympathetic to to uh, white nationalist and white supremacy rhetoric. He is smart enough to couch it as a support the president rally, hoping to turn out a large crowd that he can then say is a crowd that um, supports his views and that he's already claiming that his views are more and more mainstream, that the election of the president is proof of it. Essentially, this is a man willing to allow the media to perpetuate their narrative that uh, Trump supporters are racist bigots. He is willfully taking advantage of that to try to advance his white supremacist views. And none of you should be foolish enough to go to Dahlonega to participate in this. Uh, if you're going to go, you should show up as, as a Trump supporter and protest this person. Antifa is showing up. And Antifa intends... Now, you should understand that the Georgia Antifa movement is like... Um, three or four uh, emroids and maybe a kid from Georgia Tech who all dress in black and if, if they aren't smoking weed might actually show up and do something. Uh, but they usually are too busy doing drugs to actually show up and do anything. Uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. If you're going to show up in Delonica, though, you should show up and protest this guy for trying to hijack the president's name to advance white supremacy. It is a deeply unfortunate thing. I know some friends in law enforcement who have been asked to come up there. They do expect a crowd. Uh, and uh, people need to stand up to this nonsense that is trying to hijack and define the president's uh, cause and supporters as being based in racism, which is nonsense. The media loves to say it. The left loves to say it. It's simply not true. Uh, but this guy makes it very easy for them to point and say, see, 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 you had a white nationalist organizing a Trump rally, further proof of it. Um, it's just garbage and should be denounced. Now, uh, let's move into your calls. 404-872-0750, wsb talk Travis in Fayetteville, welcome. Hey, Eric. Uh, after Joe Biden's mental prolapse last night, I think it's become glaringly obvious that the real reason he's not going to the Iowa caucus is because he can't remember where it is. <laughs> You know, I, I, I got to tell you, uh, the, the poor guy and everybody's bashing him over the, the record player comment. Let, I've got that audio queued up here. Let's let's listen to, to Joe Biden. First of all, I got to say, I thought it was really galling that the um, that the reporter asked Joe Biden about 40 year old comments, 40 year old wanting to bind Joe Biden to something from 40 years ago. Listen to this. Mr. Vice President, I want to come to you and talk to you about inequality in schools and race. In a conversation about how to deal with segregation in schools back in 1975, you told a reporter, I don't feel responsible for the sins of my father and grandfather. I feel responsible for what the situation is today, for the sins of my own generation. And I'll be damned if I feel responsible to pay for what happened 300 years ago. You said that some 40 years ago. But as you stand here tonight, what responsibility do you think that Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery in our country? Well, they have to deal with the, the look, there is institutional segregation in this country. And from the time I got involved, I started dealing with that. Redlining, banks, making sure that we are in a position where, look, talk about education. 
I propose that what we take is those very poor schools, the Title I schools, triple the amount of money we spend from 15 to 45 billion a year, give every single teacher a raise of equal raise of getting out the $60,000 level. Number two, make sure that we bring in to help the, students, the, the teachers deal with the problems that come from home. The problems that come from home, we need, we have one school psychologist for every 1,500 kids in America today. It's crazy. The teachers are, and I'm married to a teacher. My deceased wife is a teacher. They have every problem coming to them. We have make sure that every single child does, in fact, have three, four, and five-year-olds go to school. School, not daycare, school. We bring social workers into homes of parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't, want, they don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. A kid coming from a very poor school, a, a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there. There's Thank so you, much. We, no, I'm, I'm going to go like the rest of them do, twice over, okay? Now, that last bit is, is Biden has been criticized by multiple people for being too polite with moderators when they say time's up stopping. Uh, that's what that was. Uh, but everybody's ridiculing him for his record player coming. Personally, I think Joe Biden is just down with hipster culture. And uh, in the next debate, he'll be talking about skinny jeans and craft beer uh, that tastes like some some amalgamation of fruit and vegetable. But, uh, yeah, the record player remark as opposed to the iPod or what have you. Uh, poor old Joe. He's still winning, though. Elizabeth Warren can't get ahead of him as long as the field stays crowded. She's probably going to do well in Iowa. Biden's already signaling uh, he doesn't expect to do well in Iowa. And the reason is because of the nature of caucuses and the way they're organized and because uh, people get very passionate about the caucuses and they're willing to go show up and support. Biden's supporters don't have deep passion. They have respect for him. They'll show up and vote for him in a primary. They're not going to go hang out for three or four hours in the middle of winter in Iowa to vote for him. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, no one who has won Iowa has ever won uh, the uh, presidential nomination of either party except for Barack Obama. Yeah, let me say no one who has ever won the Iowa caucuses has ever actually won a presidential nomination for either party except Barack Obama once. Um, that's pretty striking. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to go to Athens, Georgia and talk to John. John, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Look, the, the question I have is, how did nationalism get to be associated with white supremacy and Nazism? Um, and why is white nationalist a bad word? Okay, uh, so, so nationalism is associated with Nazism because they were the National Socialist Party, but... Well, yeah, uh, but if you're, if you're a nationalist... Yeah, but, 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 but now hang, hang on a second, Judge. Let, let, let me let me give you the answer here, uh, the one you're looking for. Uh, most people are nationalists. Uh, nationalism and patriotism are often used interchangeable. Uh, it, it is the idea of putting your nation above other nations. That's nationalism. Uh, taking policies to advance your nation. Uh, patriotism is pride in your nation. Nationalism is putting your nation first. A white nationalist is someone who supports the idea of a white nation. Um, not a multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, multi-demographic nation, but a, in particular a white nation, uh, particularly people who believe that the United States should be a nation of white people. Uh, white supremacy believes the white uh, race is superior to all other races, 
a white nationalist is one who believes that uh, a white people should make up their own nation. Uh, and a white nationalist, for example, would have um, would still be anti-immigration to Europeans per se, uh, because they have pride in their nation as a white nation. They would have more favorable uh, immigration uh, pathways for white people, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean they want them coming into their nation. They they want the United States as a white nation. Uh, there are lots of nationalists. There are Chinese nationalists. There are Taiwanese nationalists. There are American nationalists. The media, unfortunately, is stupid and bigoted when it comes to conservatives and tries to lump nationalism as a pejorative in all cases when it isn't necessarily. White nationalism is bad because it's someone who looks at the United States and says we are a nation founded for white people, not for all the other people here. A white supremacist is bad because it looks at all the other races of people and says they're inferior to white people. And apparently the guy in, in Dahlonega this weekend is a combo deal, which is bad. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, Julian Castro, he and his brother are kind of garbage people. A they're from a political activist family that views the Alamo in Texas as a symbol of racism. Think about that for a minute. Uh, and uh, Julian Castro, he also they're, they're the they're the brothers who decided to release the names of all the Trump donors in San Antonio, Texas, and encourage people to harass them. Uh, which several of those businesses received uh, death threats, and several of the individuals had to go into hiding because of it, and they were completely unapologetic about it. And Julian Castro last night decided to make Joe Biden's age an issue. Listen to the crowd reaction here. What I support and what you support, Vice President Biden, is that you require them to opt in. And I would not require them to opt in. They would automatically be enrolled. They wouldn't have to buy in. That's a big difference because Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. They, he wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would they not. They do not have to buy in. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. Have to buy in. If you qualify, are, are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? I mean, I can't believe that you said two minutes ago that they had to buy in, and now you're saying they don't have to buy. You're forgetting that. I said anyone, I mean, look, grandmother who look, has no money, she would. You're automatically enrolled. Enrolls people regardless of whether they choose to opt in or not. Yeah, didn't go over so well with most of the crowd or the commentators out there. And by the way, it didn't help that Julian Castro was wrong. Uh, he completely misrepresented Joe Biden's position and did not go over well. I'll tell you something else that didn't go over well. Uh, so they were at a historically black college uh, in Houston, Texas. You hear a lot about HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Uh, Kamala Harris decided to pander to the crowd last night. And yeah, uh, her math doesn't add up. I have offered in this campaign a proposal to deal with this, which will be the first in the nation federal investment in closing the teacher pay gap, which is $13,500 a year. Because right now in our public schools, our teachers, 94% of them are coming out of their own pocket to help pay for school supplies. And that is wrong. I also want to talk about where we are here at TSU and what it means in terms of HBCUs. I have, as part of my proposal, that we will put $2 trillion into investing in our HBCUs for teachers because, because, 
because one, as a proud graduate of a historically black college and university, I will say, I will say that it is our HBCUs that disproportionately produce teachers and those who serve in these many professions. Yeah, two trillion dollars Kamala Harris wants to spend. You got Elizabeth Warren claiming she can do everything for everybody under the sun with all of her money, and you, you got that. And the math for none of them adds up. Uh, but they keep saying this stuff, and that that's kind of what uh, Joe Biden was getting at. I, I played that clip earlier where he just continues to maintain and insist that they can, at least Elizabeth Warren, as she maintains and insists that she can do everything with her two cents, and she can't. Okay, uh, this is from Elizabeth Warren the other day. I want to play this for you. Because now comes the fun part. What can we do with two cents in America? I'll tell you exactly what we can do. First, we can have universal child care for every baby in this country age zero to five. 100% of them. Yep. Universal pre-K for every three-year-old and four-year-old in this country. Raise the wages of every preschool teacher and child care worker in America. We can do all of that, but I'm not through yet. All of that for two cents. Plus, we can make technical school, two-year college, four-year college, tuition-free for every person who wants to get an education. Plus, we can level the playing field, put $50 billion into our historically black colleges and universities. Yep. And I'm still not through. We can do all of that and cancel student loan debt for 95% of the folks who've got student loan debt. Think about that. Two cents. And by the way, we'd still have a couple of hundred billion left over that, if we did that. That tells you how far off this economy has gotten. Yeah, and she, she, this has become her stump speech. Here she was the other day in New Hampshire. And there's another way we can make this economy work for everyone. It's time for a wealth tax in America. Yep. Two cents. Your first $50 million free and clear, said some of you. <laughs> but your 50 millionth and first dollar, you got to pitch in two cents. And two cents for every dollar after that. Two cents. This hits the top one-tenth of one percent of great fortunes in this country. And she goes on to give the whole litany again of everything you pay for. And the math doesn't add up. The, the math does not add up. Multiple economists, multiple Democrat economists, I should say, have run the numbers and said the math flat out does not add up. And yet she, she, it's what she did so she can say it with a straight face is she got two economists from Berkeley who don't actually specialize in income taxation and wealth transfers to look at this and say, oh, yeah, you got this many people. They got this many assets. Here's the number. 
they didn't actually consider that wealthy people will transfer their money to the Cayman Islands or divest it to children to hold in trust uh, to keep it from being taken. They didn't consider any of that, and you got to where you're going to consider whether, whether this is what accountants live for, this sort of stuff, and, and financial planners. Um, and yet, uh, there we are. And as Joe Biden pointed out on stage, the math does not add up for Elizabeth Warren, but nobody wants to hold her accountable. Let me leave uh, the debate last night and go to something related to the debate. Uh, Robert Johnson, he is the founder of BET, highly regarded billionaire, um, highly, highly regarded in the black community and across the nation. And he had this to say on CNBC. For African-Americans, the trend continues to be favorable. The more African-Americans have entered the workplace... Uh, in the last uh, cycle, more African-American women are getting hired in the workplace, and the unemployment rate has drifted downward. Like so, historical levels. Yeah. So when you look at all of that and you say, where is that coming from? And it's coming from business people hiring more minorities. Uh, that means they're doing very well in terms of a investment in new plant and equipment and in growth and, and therefore in people. And when you see more minorities getting jobs, you know, there used to be the old saying that, you know, when white America catches uh, coal, African-Americans get pneumonia. Well, it's going the opposite way now. White unemployment is going down, African-American employment is going down. That's a plus plus that you can't argue with. And as I said earlier, I give the president credit for doing positive things. You know, the president's economic strength in the black community is going to resonate. Uh, the lowest unemployment in the black community, Hispanic community, Asian American community, just amazing work there.